This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app. Jump on your smart trainer and jump into Zwift. Kreuzer, or welcome. Tom, we're back for season three and, well, I'd say it's pretty massive actually. It's our first pod where we're face to face, in person. Actually in person. I've got to be honest, when we started doing this pod, G, uh, two years ago, the situation around us at this point is exactly how I saw us recording every podcast. So we are in a little cheeky barn in your adopted home of Monaco. We've managed to get ourselves two different drinks. <laughs> well, you're double parked. I'm all right. <laughs> you're only single parked because you've drunk your very large uh, pression faster than I have. We've also got gin and tonics. The, the only surprise for me is it's taken two years for us to get to this point. Yeah, episode 41. Yeah. But to be honest, where we're sat now, there's, there's a few tales from this, uh, this bar. Oh, really? Yeah, back in... When I won Paris Nice 2016, um, my parents-in-law came out and... Sar was obviously here, but finishing Nice, obviously, Paris to Nice. <laughs> and um, but Sar didn't want to come over, didn't want to like curse it because I'd had a few times where, well, things had gone wrong in that race, let's say. Um, so yeah, it was the last day and then they basically came here and they started drinking and as you can see from the gin tonics, they're pretty strong. <laughs> they're substantial, aren't they? Hefty portions. So yeah, they, they started at, I don't know what time, to be fair, probably around midday. And they'd had two or three, maybe four. And yeah, they were pretty well gone by the time I won and got back. And we all went out for food, just the restaurant, two doors down. And uh, a few guys were there, everyone that lived around here, plus my coach, Tim. And as you know, Tim Carrison was quite a shy sort of... Straight-laced. Yeah, sort of guy, you know, quite serious at times. He loved to drink, but he wasn't sort of... He's not dancing on tables, is he? He would be one of those people enjoying other people dancing on tables. He's not <laughs> yeah. anti-dancing on tables. He just wouldn't initiate it. Yeah, yeah. And he's not the type to take a video either, though, and, like, share it with everyone. No. You know, he's quite respectful of that. They're not bad them guys, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> look, how, look how stupid you were last night. Yeah. Everyone have a look at this. But anyway, um, what was I saying? Yes, we were here. We went out for food with everyone. And Ave, Sar's dad, was uh, just chatting to Tim. And you could, Tim, were just so, like, <laughs> uncomfortable and... <laughs> he was trying to ask him all these like you know in what he thought were in-depth questions but he was absolutely bladdered you know so yeah tim was just like get me out of here but uh <laughs> yeah so this is yeah taking a few uh scalps these gnts but yeah so i thought why not start episode three with a bang and come here and uh introduce you to this well, it's the perfect place to be. I couldn't be happy to be here. There is some delightful late autumn sunshine out there. It's quite different from the top bedroom in my house in Nutsford, where I usually record my leg of the podcasts. Um, but we are not just here to open out the series and to talk to a load of um, big-name cyclists, because you and I, uh, G, have had this ongoing challenge. I think it's finally going to happen in the next couple of days yeah i don't even know how it started to be honest it's one of those things where it's just like it's always been in the back of my mind oh I, we need to ride up the madone me on an old bike you on a a modern one and then do a 5k run so yeah we're gonna get that it's tuesday now we're gonna do the bike ride tomorrow and then on thursday the run although you did tell me a couple of weeks ago <laughs> your best time for 5k that was an error was yeah I let the 17 cat out the and a half minutes yeah it was 16 yeah 16 
That's just ridiculous. <laughs> no, so what we're going to need to do, you need to run in flip-flops then. <laughs> Proper thongs, like, you know? You say that, but when we agreed that you would ride a very old bike, I was thinking about a, a bike from 1920. A I was thinking farthing. about a penny well, possibly a penny farthing, <laughs> or one of those early tour bikes where if you want to change gear, you've got your spanner out and you put, <laughs> you put a different wrist pocket on. Instead, the bike that I believe you're riding is a Pinarello, which has been kept in unbelievable nick by Mr. Pinarello yeah. um, and in no way looks heavy enough or rusty enough to give me a chance. Yeah, to be fair, I can't remember the name of the guy now. I'm just, when we do a video of the ride, I can tell you his name, but I think he won the Amateur Worlds on this bike in like the early 90s. So, And then I think he went into like the Pinarello workshop and was kept nice and sweet. So, yeah, it's still a big advantage. I lifted it out of, uh, well, Dylan Van Baal actually brought it over for me it's like it's gone around the hours as this bike to get here but um i won't go into that but it's this hefty little thing heavy how heavy no idea i didn't weigh it but it's got to be at least 10 key well no that's probably a bit too much it's heavy yeah and the down tube shifters and all this and that you know this is making me more optimistic because um when we mentioned this um on social media there were a number of replies uh, where people were trying to give me, uh, trying to conjure up a situation in which I'd, I'd have any sort of a chance to beat you up the Madone. A nice one was that you should wear six gilets. <laughs> uh. But I was thinking, yeah, maybe that the brakes would have to be like the old-fashioned cork brakes, um, or that I maybe I could pour concrete into the down tube. Huh. So my feeling is this will be a, a best-case scenario for me is a 1-1 draw when we come to the end of this particular round of challenges. Yeah, well, to be fair, though... I think you've got tubeless tyres. You've Have got I? the full works, you know? Yeah. Electronic speed. shifting. Oh, yeah. Electronic, yeah. The new Shimano 12-speed. Um, I think mine's like seven. <laughs> uh, the tyres are weird as well because, you know, these days you ride 28s. Yeah. Mil are these super skinny? Width. These are like 21, 21. 23, yeah. So um, it's going to be weird just riding it. You know, the, the hoods, the brake levers are quite far down the handlebars. Yeah. So proper old school, so looking forward to it though yeah. if you were going to take yourself out of this situation so forget for a moment that you and i are racing up the madone and you were going to give me my best tactics to beat you what would those tactics be uh well you, you gotta pace yourself don't go at it too hard so you know don't get drawn into racing too early <laughs> um and then just maybe just pray just pray. Yeah, I, I got nothing for you, mate. <laughs> I was thinking of sitting on your wheel for as, as much as possible, not even giving you any conversation all the way up the Madone, and then doing some sort of death or glory like sprint with about 50 metres to go. I guess that's probably your best option. Yeah. Maybe um, shoving you with my hand as I go past. Or maybe give or me don't a bit go of chat past. from behind, you know? Yeah, get into your bit head. legend, like cricket <laughs> style. <laughs> So we are recording this podcast on Tuesday. We've got our race up the Madone on Wednesday. We've got the five-kilometre run on Thursday. Uh, we'll announce the results in next week's pod. In the meantime, if you would like to get in touch and give us the forfeits for the losers, um, that would be fine as long as I don't end up losing both, <laughs> in which case I don't want to know any of these forfeits whatsoever. Oh, God. Are we going to have a decider if it's 1-1? So what will the decider be? We've talked about a, a potential swimming race, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah, but you're quite a good swimmer. I'm not bad. Yeah. But you're talking about skinny dipping as well, aren't you? So I'm not <laughs> sure I can uh, yeah, okay, be well, seen with that. We shall work on the decider if the decider um, is required. In the meantime, G, let's talk about what's coming up on Series 3. 
The plan has always been, when we've talked about this over the course of the summer, to make it even bigger, even better than Series 1 or 2. So do you want to drop in a couple of the names that you've reached into your contacts book for? Yeah, I think we've got a stellar lineup, to be honest, Tom. We've got the best of the best of the current riders, men's and women's cycling, from Fred Wright, Remco, Eleanor Barker, Anna van der Breggen, who's now a DS, obviously. So, uh, yeah, everyone's coming on, plus a lot of big names from my own team and uh, others from outside of the world of cycling as well. So, uh, yeah, exciting times. Super exciting. And if there is a name that you would like Garen and I to speak to who hasn't come up on that list, just get in touch. We will do our best to line them up. Gee, you've got um, an excellent contact book or contact section on your phone. So we shall see how we get on. Remember, as always, to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and also to join our Facebook group. You'll find all the information on there about our weekly Zwift rides, our in-person rides, meetups and all the club business. Or if you've got something more to say, you can always drop us an email on gtcc at crowdnetwork.co.uk. We've got a brilliant team on the GTCC. Our club secretary, Louise, and our brand new social secretary, Archie, will be all over the email inbox. Right, G, should we crack on with the first episode? We've got quite a lot to catch up on. Let's do it. Gee, I'm pleased to say we've got a very exciting offer for listeners of the GTCC, courtesy of one of the sponsors of this episode, Ruler Live. Ruler Live is the world's premier cycling event. Me and G went to it last year and we had a very good night out afterwards, didn't we, G? Well, I think it was before, actually, Tom, which I think was our big mistake. Yeah, we were live on stage very early in the morning, weren't we, Garen, after a late night the night before. But it was a lot of fun. Um, we had an amazing time. We got to meet some of our listeners. We got to talk about the night out and other things. And this year, Ruler Live is going to be held at the Truman Brewery in London from the 3rd to the 5th of November. As before, they've got a star-studded lineup of guest speakers and over 50 of the best cycling brands all under one roof. There will be friends of the pod, Fabian Cancellara and Tom Boonen, as well as Lachlan Morton and many more. Just search for Ruler Live or Ruler.cc to find out more and book your tickets. Plus, Ruler are offering GTCC members, i.e. you listening right now, a two-for-one ticket offer. Just go to Ruler.cc and enter the code GTCC two for one at checkout that's gtcc and the numbers two for one have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island jane gaskin did exactly that trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics but she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets i'm alice levine and this is the price of paradise the island dream that ends in kidnap corruption and murder wish you were here Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Garen, it is mid-October. It is the point in the cycling season when you can order a gin and tonic straight after a large beer and not worry about the consequences. It's also the time of year where you have previously referred to it as um, when you break out your pregnancy wardrobe. Yeah, so um, to be honest, I'm trying to keep that at bay at the moment because, uh, as you say, halfway through October, but um, the back end of October is where I got the the more intense off-season, shall we say, where we go on, go on holiday with Sam Max, going to Maldives, that'll be lovely. And then, um, 
yeah, back in Cardiff for a bit. So that's the danger zone. Um, it's a bit different off season, to be fair, because Max is obviously in well nursery here. So um, we wanted to just keep him in nursery a bit, just so he's not like going back a couple of steps all the time. You know what it's like, kids and that crying and oh, brutal the first drop off. But anyway, yeah. So we're trying to keep him in in there a bit more consistent. So um, yeah, we're, we've basically the first two weeks of the off season just been here, just um, chilling here and a bit more normal life, not as crazy as normal. So. It'll certainly stand me in good stead for next year, I think. so. Nice. Well, we asked our fellow GTCC members to send in any questions they had for you at this point in the year. The first has come from Tim Williams, who must have seen a recent picture of you, Geraint, because Tim Williams' question is, what the hell is going on with your hair? <laughs> well, as you can see, it's pretty short now. Um, well, short for me. It's probably be long for you, but it's... Um, has someone yeah, been at it with the scissors? She has last night, actually, yeah. I thought I'd have a new good pod cut you know <laughs> even though no one can see a podcast but you know it's all about the effort the vibe yeah at least i know i've put in the effort you yeah know? so even if people are my hair is pretty it's wild a big now. wig yeah <laughs> so i saw chopped a load off but then you know when you have a haircut and it's you have a lot of hair and then it goes to not so much it feels so short yeah so um a bit self-conscious at the moment so oh yeah. so tim you've made thanks for drawing attention to life much worse yeah, cheers tim. um let's look back on your summer so there are obviously some big results. We did our big tour de France debrief straight after the race. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen. You can hear how Geraint completed his tour one, two, three podium. Let's talk Commonwealth Games. So um, all the chat before the, the road race that I got was, oh, this is a really boring course. Like it's too flat. There's no climbing. Nothing's going to happen. And in the end, it turned into a pretty insane race where um, <coughs> riders of different nationalities took it in turns um, doing the cycling equivalent of punching you in the face. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, I kind of knew with the course it was always going to be hard for me. But, um, yeah, obviously coming third in the Tour de France two weeks before, I knew people were going to be watching me. But um kind of managed to force a move uh, fairly early, actually. I can't remember exactly. Maybe two or three laps into the race. So and the race was only three hours 20, I think, in the end, for 160-odd K. So it was rapid. But as you say, it was no climbing. And then, yeah, it was a bit like a glorified track race, to be honest. Like, it, that's how it felt. And it was just constant attacks. And um, unfortunately for us, as in Wales, I was the only guy there. So it was pretty tough. And you kind of had to try and choose your moments. And then I was hoping to try and make a move. But I was just gassed most of the time. So then I kind of just thought, right, go all in for one final big move at the end. Because um, it was obviously going to come down to a sprint. And there was a few teams with teammates. England had three um you know South Korea had two uh who were the other big guys well they were the main the main ones really and then there was a track rider there there was actually a Kiwi guy Aaron Gate in the group as well and he had won maybe three medals on the track previously like that week before so he was obviously in great shape super fast and I was thinking this is you know great for him but what can you do you know when the other guys are gonna so I was trying to get away with a, an Englishman and a, a South African really so then at least those guys those teams wouldn't wouldn't chase but just for me to get a gap on Aaron was just impossible almost because you know he's got a massive kick on him you know I'd just done three weeks riding around France so turns into pretty much a diesel even more of a diesel <laughs> than I am so yeah that was solid but yeah and it come down to a sprint and uh I just hit him under 2k to go um and then big Ben teammate of mine from England yeah, thanks Ben yeah just chased me down yeah cheers Ben uh 
And then Luke Plapp, Australian guy, another teammate. He he closed the final. <laughs> 20 meters, 30 Loyalty. meters. So, yeah, cheers. Thanks for that, Luke. So, yeah, but no hard feelings, obviously, because obviously Ben was riding for his teammate, Fred Wright, who we will have on a future pod. Obviously, I think I came about eighth or something then, but it was a lot, all or nothing attack. You know, I'm either going to win this or, you know, come eighth. And, and I was eighth. But uh, I was happy just, like, you know, did everything I could with what I had that day, really, so. The more disappointing thing was the TT. Oh, so the TT, but if you haven't seen this, it's worth going back to watch it because there was a corner as you came out of the park at the start that seemed to be the, the crash zone. Like That seemed to be the danger zone. And the riders who were maybe a little bit less experienced and not so good at handling their bikes, that was where they were overcooking it coming out of the park. So for <laughs> those of us who wanted you to win, Geraint, once you safely negotiated that corner, there was a sense of relaxation. Um, which unfortunately was misplaced. Yeah, because the very next corner, um, right, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. So the day before we do a recon, there's no barriers up. You just ride the course. And this was a one-lane road turned onto, turned onto a three-lane road. Big runoff, you know, wide exit, you know, no brakes. So coming into the race, obviously there's barriers now, which I hadn't, I obviously knew, but I didn't think it affected me. Anyway, on the radio, one of my ushers actually, Rob Partridge was now a DS for Welsh Cycling. And he comes on the radio, sweeping left. Now, I don't know about you, but sweeping left to me is no brakes. Just go into it, you know, throw it in and, you know, shoot out. Anyway, I'm halfway through the corner and I just see these barriers and I'm just like, oh, sugar. <laughs> like, this isn't going to end well. Braked a little, even slid then. And I was just thinking, oh, I don't, yeah. trying to get around it, hit the last, basically, the last um, barrier, almost. Almost. Almost yeah. saved it. Yeah, but didn't. Ended up on my ass. Remember, just stood up and the car came around the corner. And I was just like throwing my arms in the air. You know, like that emoji where they're like, you know, got It was quite arms. Italian, actually. It was very Italian, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's the European in me now. And I was just like, <laughs> bloody hell. And oh, it just cracked me a bit. But yeah, and I got back on and did what I could. But yeah, unfortunately, um, Fred beat me by two seconds to the silver medal. And Rowan Dennis won by about 28 seconds. So, uh, it's one of them where I'm just like, you know, my brake lever was at 90 degrees. So the very next corner, actually, I go to pull my brakes, obviously get the, the left one, which is uh, my front brake. And then I go to pull the right. And I'm just like, shit, I've got no brake. Like, my brake has fallen off. And I look down and I'm like, oh, actually, no, it's around there. So, <laughs> you know, an unusual grip to be braking. I don't know where it'd fallen off to, you know, there's all wires and stuff yeah. for brakes. But anyway, um, yeah, I managed to just sort of put that to the back of my mind, crack on. Ended up as with bronze, so at least I got a medal, but yeah, not the one I was looking for because I really wanted to to win that, really. There seemed to be a point halfway around that TT where you were sort of signaling to the team car and watching on TV, it wasn't quite clear if you were like, listen, I need a brand new bike or actually it's too late for a brand new bike. Yeah, so it was nothing to do with my bike, actually. I was trying to tell him to give me more info on the radio because um, I had a two-way radio. I could speak, but it wasn't working. They They weren't hearing me, so... I was trying to do a bit of sign language, just like giving it like a circular motion towards my ear. Mm. Is that how you would describe that? I would, yeah. Uh, as in more, give me more in my ear. Like yeah, whether me, it means like, more, I don't know. If I'm in the car behind, does that mean turn it up? Yeah. Turn it down? Yeah. Well, well, everyone's a critic, Tom. How, <laughs> how, would you, how would you signal to the car behind, give me more info on this corner? I think I would point directly in my ear and then I'd use my index finger to point up as if to say more. Oh, I'd say that's 
Yeah, that's volume though, that, isn't it? Actually, that probably is volume, yeah. yeah. Maybe Not I so would easy, make is it, Tom? I would make the, the universal <laughs> sign with your oh. hand of chatting where you have a flat hand and you move your thumb underneath to sort of go chat, chat, chat. Yeah. Then I would do that in my ears if I was a ventriloquist. Yeah, that is a, yeah, yeah. So for next time. Chat more, point yeah. out, chat. Yeah, <laughs> next time then. But anyway, yeah, so it was an eventful TT. I've had a lot of eventful TTs this year. You have, yeah. Um, so yeah, but I've I've got over it. You know, I, the way I got over it was like, oh, I'd rather have won Swiss and third in the tour and not had yeah. too much bad luck there and had it in there in the commies and the other two. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, but. After that was, um, so I'll give you a quick run through of what I've done since. Yes, please. So basically after that, I had a slightly easy week, went to Abduez on the weekend and uh, took my father-in-law up there because it was a Christmas or birthday present, I can't remember which, because he wanted to ride up there after I went up there in 2018. They'd been delayed a few years because of COVID. We turn up, I've got a puncher, so I need to rent a bike with him and uh, turn up at this shop and they're just looking at me a bit like, you is look it? familiar. Yeah, like, you, you want to rent a bike? And I was like, yeah, but it has to be this Pinarello. Like, they're thinking I'm just some diva now, like, <laughs> demanding a Pinarello. Um, it was a clapped out Pinarello as was well. It? Like, oh, mate, it's like, this one from 1992 that we're going to race up better. tomorrow was better, Nick. It was just like, you know, massive wide handlebars, just totally demolished, really. But Could it, you not have fixed the puncture on your other Pinarello? Well, I was tubeless, and... um. No, it stopped at that. It was a tubeless, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was a bike shop that fixed it for me, but that day I had to do it with Ave because he was basically crapping himself and wanted to enjoy his holiday, <laughs> so he wanted to do it the first day. So I just rented a bike instead. They fixed the puncture, and then I rode it the next day. Then That's what happened. Okay. So, yeah, I'm on this, you know, crappy Pinarello along with Ave, and we ride, start riding up. And he started at a decent pace, to be fair. He wanted to go under two hours. Just to put that into context, when you won in 2018, it took how long from the bottom? 41 minutes. Yeah, okay. And then this year, it took 39. Oh, yeah, because in 2018, so you had that little sort of chill out, didn't you? When Nibbly crashed. Yeah. And yeah, we just stopped for yeah. a bit. I wanted to keep going. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so start rising up there he's riding a decent pace and then these people are riding past just looking at me like you know just double taking like yeah. is that and then they're looking at my bike looking at me looking how slow i'm going i think a lot of people were a bit baffled really and you know towards the top they normally have those photographer there that's taking photos yeah and uh he's looking at me like goes to take a photo <laughs> and then he's just like and i stop then to wait for ave and uh then they start asking me garen thomas yeah yeah and he's like ah oh. then all these people just seem to turn out of nowhere i don't know where they came from doing all these photos anyway and uh but yeah whoa, bless him he was actually no not bless him it was funny as it was <laughs> funny <laughs> he was he had a 34 chain ring and a 34 sprocket okay and he made that look heavy did he it was basically it was uh yeah towards the top he completely like blew his load really the last sort of 45 minutes he was struggling and um saw beth my mother-in-law and max were in the car so they drove down, met us, and then they basically stopped every sort of K, K and half to cheer him on. So I was stopping with them, waiting. They'd cheer him on. I'd leave, catch him up, ride with him for a couple of minutes, then go off and stop with Saar again, cheer them on. Just basically doing that all the way up. And it's quite hard to ride that slow, Tom. <laughs> Tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> so, uh, but he eventually did it. He was a bit disappointed because he wanted to go into two hours, as I said. And What was his official... Time? 203 i think it was oh, on strava so close. but um 
to be fair, I think he did have COVID a couple of days later. So that's his excuse. This is what he's been saying. Yeah, and he wants to go back and, and That's what do he it says again. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh but no, just to ride up it though, you know, I think is a decent enough effort. I've got to say that. I don't really mean it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you sent us a picture of Ave at the top yeah. and um it was an image that spoke of total exhaustion. Like the head was slumped, the eyes had gone, yeah. his hand was sort of almost reflexively covering up a very personal part as if he was just sore where a yeah, man body language. Look, yeah, he was, he was very defensive. Yeah. Although he was wearing his, uh, proudly sporting his GTCC kit, he was. which was a lovely touch. He was. And I kind of could relate to how he was feeling because he well, didn't really want to drink too much. And after a real hard race, especially like a one-day race when you've had caffeine and you're not a bit hungry, last thing you really want is a beer. So um, he was completely nailed, to be fair. I'm at altitude and stuff as well, so that probably didn't help. But uh, but the next ride then, the next day I went out with John McAvoy, who we've had on the pod. So that was that was really good. But apparently he had had food poisoning the night before, so he wasn't feeling the best. But um, yeah, it was good to finally go out for a ride with him as well. He showed me a few local roads and stuff, reminisced about, because we went a couple of years ago, we went down Alpatuaz. Like there's one further than the actual village you keep climbing and then you do a right and you drop down basically and then do up the again we did it twice one year in the tour and we went up the way we came down and yeah just reminiscing with him had a good chat making plans and all that that's nice that was one of my favorite episodes of, of series two that one with john mcavoy definitely worth going back and listening to if you haven't heard it already because his story is remarkable isn't it fair play um so i just give you a quick re- you keep going what i did afterwards. yeah yeah sorry i'm going to I've had a gym, ma- I'm going to keep talking. You've also it. made notes, which is a first. So let's, yeah, let's, I'm let's thinking hear the notes. series three, I'm going to take it up a level. <laughs> I'm going to make notes and everything. But I like to write it down. None of this, the phone just, I don't know, I can't do it. It's not I'm the same. old school, I think. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so I went from Alpe straight to Denmark. I had to leave at six in the morning, drive to Geneva, flew to Denmark. Oh, and as I said, like, a, you know, a few easy days, bit of drinking with the family. I thought I had COVID. I was like, I must have COVID. I feel <laughs> That's absolutely slow. dreadful. But, um, it turns out I didn't doing tests every day, but uh, Denmark was actually quite nice. Although it was really long stages, like two hundred thirty k stage one of the Whoa, days. Old school. There was a gravel stage. Like, I don't know why races want to put gravel in it now. Like we got gravel racing. Like, this is road racing. Like every race tries to make it a bit more. I think I think it's the tour organisers doing the equivalent of a, of a middle aged man wearing a very tight pair of jeans. <laughs> they're trying to be something they're not. Yeah, it's just like. But anyway, it was, it turns out like we were, the thought of it was worse. Like once we got into it, we're like, right, we'll just take control. We'd be at the front, you'd be aggressive, be there, out of trouble. And it was good then. Like we were there and actually enjoyed that race. Magnus Sheffield, we should try and get him on the pod actually. Defa. Young British, yeah. uh, British, American guy, super talented. He ended up second, lost the lead on the final stage. But um, so that was a good week. Had a bit of a break after that. Parents came out here. Um, realized my dad actually can't swim. You know, as a kid, oh. you think... How did you find out? Well, no, he, he can He can survive. He can bob. Yeah. He, he can avoid drowning, <laughs> but he can't swim. I'm not swim. sure that's technically swimming. <laughs> but, like, as a kid, you know, like, I remember just, I don't know, trips, like holidays, sorry, me, my brother, Alan, and my dad, and you're playing in the pool, aren't you, and you're just getting yeah. in your dad in all the time, and you just assume... Climbing on their shoulders, jumping off. yeah. And then here, I was like, oh, he actually is a really bad swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well done for getting through those holidays without drowning, Dad. But um, So, yeah, that was a good time. And then went from there to Canada, 
oh, not much to say about that. Horrific. Let's move on from that. After a little break, you know, it was terrible getting Nothing started in the legs. again for no, and just like those are good races as well. Those two races, aren't they? They are if you're good. Yeah, and I wasn't good. I did my bit, you know. Always got stuck in for the boys and tried to help, but it was just like, this is, this isn't good. Anyway, um, that sounded like Max that cough. It could be Max. Yeah. Anyway, Max we'll and arrived. We'll see. But um, so anyway, come back from Canada. Was sick. Missed about a week of training. Did 20 hours in about two weeks, where I normally do over 20 and one. So not the best prep for Croatia. Turn up thinking, oh, I'll be all right. You know, Croatia, blue skies, nice roads oh. along the coast. Anything but. Oh, first stage, absolute massive thunderstorm. I was thinking, we've got to stop this stage. Just looking at the boy, the boy, the guy next to me, like, we're going to stop. I don't want to say it, but we should stop. Yeah. Like, this is this isn't great. But then, you know, it was hailing and that. But after five minutes, it was all right. It was just heavy rain. One thing that happened: Jonas Vingegaard won stage three. I'm getting sent all these tweets. Vingegaard, number of after their first Tour de France win, number of days until they've won oh. the next race. Right, so this is stitched you right up, hasn't it? Yeah, so apparently it was the quickest since Brad, because Brad obviously went to the Olympics and won the TT, so we did it after... About a week and a half later, yeah. I think the very next race he won. Yeah. Vingegaard was three days, and they're saying how I was the worst <laughs> since Brad, because I was like 100-odd days, and I was just thinking, bunch of knobheads. <laughs> you know, at least I won the tour, you... Oh, jeepers. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, I was the worst. I was the worst out of through me, nearly everyone, but... Hmm. Pogaccia, but they're all good riders, aren't they? Like, I mean, I'm, the I'm, I wasn't ashamed, but I was just a bit annoyed at everyone telling me, trying to make out I was shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was, oh, that's what Twitter. That's why I avoid. Where were these tweets time. coming from? Were they coming from Denmark? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't really look into it too much. I just avoided it, and I was like, "What am I doing looking at Twitter?" Do you but, think um, he got a better reception in Copenhagen than you got in Cardiff? I don't like to compare, Tom. I'd like to be happy in my own little yeah. bubble, you know. I don't. Which is, is a good idea because I mean, Copenhagen went nuts. Yeah, but I'm but not saying Cardiff did. We didn't, split it though. We did split it. Yeah. I was in the Senate, couldn't couldn't see any, uh, well, concrete. Then it was pretty. It was pretty full, I would say. And then we went to the castle, and that was manic as well. So I'm happy with the my Welsh reception. <laughs> I, I I don't want to um, compare my. Um, happiness to other people's success and all that well, jazz. It's, it, Tom, I'm, I'm, yeah. It's like comparing your wedding day to someone else's, isn't it? You know, your day was the best possible day for you and that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, no, so fair play to him to like, you know, yeah. I think the other thing with most of those guys as well, they're just, apart from Brad, everyone's since a natural GC riders. Yeah. Whereas me and Brad just aren't. Yeah. Um, plus we got a bit of that British sort of... Um, Enjoy this. Yeah. The culture of Britain about, you know, getting drunk and stuff and just enjoying <laughs> enjoying life that way yeah. which is a bit different to the most but now fair play for him for doing that but oh one other thing i gotta mention was um after the stage the last stage uh we hit the we took it it was a finishing circuit six kilometer circuit did two laps and this finishing circuit was horrific like there was tram lines going the same way that we were racing <sighs> someone said they put little socks in or filled it in the gas socks I don't think they did, to be honest. It was just like, it was mental. We were on the pavement and stuff, you know, and um, and the organiser is actually the general manager of Bahrain, which is which baffled me. But anyway, going off subject here. But um, yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so we, we hit the circuit first. I mean, we had to do the first sort of lap and a half. I swing out, you know, the race 
goes ahead, wins, winner wins. Viviani won our teammate. And uh, I was riding past the jumbo guys. I said, oh, congrats, guys. You know, good job. And then I saw him again. I was riding past again. I said it again. Anyway, get to the bus. And Rod was like, oh, that was a turn up, wasn't it? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, uh, Moritz from Bahrain got second. So took the overall by one second. Uh. I was like, oh, shit. So I've been congratulating all these ju- jumbo guys for winning and doing well. They actually lost it by a second on the last day. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably thinking, your massive bellend is rubbed such in. a prick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's really rubbing it in, like telling us well done for screwing it up. But um, to be fair, there's nothing they could have done though because, yeah, Moritz is a lot quicker, but I don't really know what happened. But um, sorry, Jumbo, for that. Yeah, I think you're blameless in all, all of that, G. And I would also, um, as we start talking about the other great event in the world of cycling since you and I last spoke, the Worlds, we also need to give you some credit for getting, as a guest on Series 2, Zoe Baxted. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, that was great to see, obviously, being Welsh. Three different disciplines, world champion this year as well, cross, track, and road and TT this year. And the way she won the road race, just 10K or so into it. Yeah. Just rides off. See you later. Stays away, yeah. So fair play. She's got some hell of a career in front of her. And it was it was quite a big week for the Welsh because Josh Tiling did the business in the men's junior time trial as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he's coming to our team next year. So, um, yeah, looking forward to, to meeting him. I haven't actually met him. I haven't spoke to him, but I've heard he's a good lad. So what's yeah. what's your approach when you get a young rider in in the team like that? Who look, he's Welsh. He likes riding time trials. He may have you on some sort of podium. Do you do you go friendly? Do you stay a little bit aloof? Oh no, I go full on like old school. Like clean my shoes. <laughs> do you? <laughs> no. Earn your, earn your spurs, son. I should. I might do that actually. Just yeah. try it out on Josh. Yeah, the first time I meet him, I'm like, oh mate, I've got some washing. Do you mind doing it? <laughs> <laughs> tell tell the Swannies, get everyone involved in it. <laughs> I'll let you know how that goes. The women's road race was a remarkable race as well, wasn't it? Because if you'd seen the time trial and you'd seen what had happened to Annemiek van Vluten, you would have said there is absolutely no chance that she's taking part in the road race, let alone being there at the sticky end. She had a fractured elbow, which meant she couldn't sprint. And when you watch that last kilometer she does the only thing that you could possibly do if you can't get out of the saddle and sprint yeah that was quality she basically did what i tried to do in the commie games yeah but her teammates didn't chase her down <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um no fair play like she had the hell of a year one tour de france the Vuelta, giro a load of one days and then the worlds as you say with a fractured elbow like what can you say incredible We've got to just try and get her on the pod, haven't we? For we'll, sure. We'll get her, her on the pod and we definitely, if you can pull it off, we need to get Remco, Avon Apol on because when Pog was winning his first two tours, there was almost this sense because Remco obviously had that big crash. That, But when he came back from his crash, he had a difficult Giro. There was almost this sense that, oh, he wasn't quite delivering as the other great young promise of his generation. And then this year, he's basically, anyone who criticised him last year has been made to look a massive idiot. Yeah, just unbelievable. Like, um, he didn't win Tour Swiss, though, did he? Oh, who won that one? I have to bring that up with him. I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, no, unbelievable. Like, to win the Worlds by two and a half minutes as well, it's just, it's sick. It makes me sick. Um, but fair play to him. Unbelievable talent. Best of this generation, for sure, by far. We've had a question from Sue Kinder, which is um, around this topic. Sue asks, um, the age for young cyclists going straight into senior races is going down and the age of retirement 
which is a good topic for us to get into, seems to be going up. Sue's talking about Valverde, obviously just retired, Philippe Gilbert, Visconti. So why are we seeing this, G? Why are we seeing riders coming in younger, but also riders staying later? Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in, say, 10, 15 years' time to see if these guys coming in young still go that long because, yeah, it's, it's crazy, really. There is definitely a big obsession with young guys at the moment and a lot of guys, that's definitely Max laughing there. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, a lot of young guys sort of coming through straight from juniors. But with the old guys, I think it's, the old guys have always kind of been similar. As in, there's been people retiring that age. I remember Jens Voigt was like 41, 42. So I think that's always kind of been a thing. But I think obviously this year has been stood out more because Valverde is, you know, the Palmares, the races he's won. He's, um, yeah, you know, very well known. And to be still performing at 41 or whatever he is, also nibbly. So, um, yeah, I keep, I, you know, I've said it a lot, but the age for me is kind of just like, it's all in the head. Like, I still love racing, still love training. And to me, like, if I'm, you know, 36, 38 or 22, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just I enjoy racing my bike and you still sacrifice. And it's all about the sacrifices. If you can still commit and do everything right, then you'll still be as good as you can. So so the uh, the bar owner of the bar we're in uh, here, G, it's just popped in a little bit of music um, for the other customers who are coming in now that the afternoon is turning into the evening. Talking of afternoons turning into evenings, you are at that stage of your career where you can see the end but you don't necessarily need to embrace the end. So what's what's the thinking at the moment? You've got one more year on your current contract. So at the moment, if you just stick with that, you're retiring at the end of 2023. But is there a little bit of wriggle room? First, mate, great segue into that. <laughs> Thank you. Tell you're a pro. <laughs> uh, oh, there is, yeah. But just got to chat with the team, haven't we, and, and see what they're thinking. Um, and what's your thing? Does it, does, it, does it depend on what the team lets you do? Uh, well, it's a whole bunch of things, really, isn't it? It's just uh, where they see the team going, because obviously it's a lot. They've had a lot of young guys, a lot of experienced guys are left this year. How they see the team developing and what they want, see my role in that, I guess, really. And but as I said, I still really love racing and training and doing the hard work. Is the main the main thing for me is the the family as well, you know, back home. So what happens there? But yeah, it's one of it's. We'll see, we'll see. Okay, so you're definitely going to do one more year. Have you got any idea at this stage what that year might entail? You obviously had your third place at the Tour this year. Is it going to be a Tour-focused one? Or is Dave B sort of looking at a returning Egan to do the Tour and you're going to get the option of maybe doing the Giro? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's, um, I have to speak with the team over the next couple of weeks, really, see what they're thinking. But I quite like the Giro because the Giro is well, it's great, isn't it? The passion there. And massively unfinished business for you as well. It is, yeah. So it would be nice to go there in just good shape and just, you know, maybe not GC or win a stage or or if I'm feeling good, go for GC. I don't know, but that's an option. But this year, what I enjoyed was doing a few different races, some I'd never done before, some I'd only done once or twice. So just keep mixing up a bit, keep keep the body guessing, you know. The World Championships next year are in Scotland and they finish with circuits of Glasgow, which is bringing back memories of the Commonwealth Road Race in 2014. You going up and down the hills in the rain, a late puncher when it all seems to be going wrong and glory in the end. Any thoughts about that as a little potential natural bookend to things? Oh, I'd definitely love to do them. Um, but the British cycling mentality, I don't know. Maybe they won't, won't oh, want me. because of- a team. Well, yeah, maybe they, you know, 
Olympics based. Oh, you're not going to be part of the Olympics. Like we want to give so and so a chance, but if I feel like I'm in the shape to to win a medal, then hopefully they'll select me. But got to get in that shape first, and then. But yeah, I'd love to go there. You know, the TT would be great to do the road race as well, and it's in the UK, isn't it? A world's in the UK is great. One more thought about your future, G. We've had a question from Darren Jarman um, because we've heard you talk about potentially training for an Ironman when your career comes to an end. Darren has signed up for Ironman in September 2023. It's 10 years since he last did one. He's hoping you'll be in the same race. I guess that might be a little bit too soon. Maybe September 24? Yeah, if, even if I stop next year, that's still a bit soon to just jump into an Ironman. It's a lot of swimming and a lot of running. Yeah, well, my thinking was this off-season I'd start doing a little bit of running. I haven't done one yet. Um, you until know, our 5k yeah <laughs> until our 5k but I was thinking like you know start doing 15 20 30 minute runs so then by the time I get to I've retired I can actually start training properly I'm a bit more used to it but yeah as I say I haven't even done one yet so uh but yeah I can't wait I'm definitely gonna do an Ironman 100% it's something uh I've always wanted to do so there you go Darren so do your Ironman in September 2023 enjoy every second and then come back September 2024 you might see Garrett there Tom, we've got a new sponsor for season three and I think we're all going to benefit from this one. Yeah, we know how much you all love coffee, especially on a bike ride. So we've only gone and partnered up with Origin Coffee. Not only that, but we've got you a very chunky discount too. Not a bad start to the season from our chairperson. Yeah, gee, I'm on it from the word go, you know that. A little bit about Origin Coffee then. So they're pioneers in sourcing and roasting some of the highest quality specialty coffee on the market today. In fact, they launch a new coffee every week. Right, so how are we getting our hands on this to taste then, G? Well, I've already done that for you. I've tried Resolute. I would describe it as chocolate, stone fruit, bit of caramel. Have you just read that off the label? Yeah. But I did choose it because it's no nonsense. It's just a classic proper coffee, you know? If you want to try Origin Coffee, just like G, you can get 30% off all coffee and pods by going to origincoffee.co.uk and using the code GTCC30 at checkout. All online orders are roasted and shipped the same day and they have a rewards program so customers can earn points and get cash back every time they shop online. That's code GTCC30 at checkout. Go and get yours today. Enjoy. Tom, Zwift are back for their third season sponsoring the GTCC. Which means our Wednesday 6pm group rides continue. Exactly. Just hop on your trainer, open up the Zwift app and join the group ride. You get to ride alongside us, all our club members and wear the in-game GTCC jersey. And if you're new to Zwift, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial today. During this season of the pod, we're going to be walking you through all the new stuff we've been trying out on the app. Just think of us as your testing team. So Chairman Tom, what have you been trying this week? Well, gee, Zwift have revamped Pace Partners. This means the app is now full of never-ending group rides outside the already packed calendar. There are 16 Pace Partners in every world riding at different speeds and wattages. Right, so for those wondering what on earth I'm talking about, they're basically a rolling meeting point. So you get the feeling of riding with people without a group ride. 
jump into a world, find a virtual pacer and cling onto them. Now, I've used this after finishing a race on Zwift to do my cooldown, but you could use it as a workout and pick a faster wattage to give yourself a wheel to follow. Or why not use it as a warm-up for a Wednesday GTCC ride? See you all on Wednesday then. Right, Tom. It's the first episode of the season, so any other business is probably going to be a bit light on the ground as you're just getting into gear. So I'm sure the only thing you're thinking at the moment is where we're going drinking tonight. I am definitely thinking about that. We're in your hands, Garrett, but I'm always professional as the chairman. So um, we do have some shout outs for our incredible club members who've been so dedicated to the club over the summer and have helped spread the love. First of these is a massive thank you to Chris Gams for not only organising outdoor rides in Surrey, but also organising our GTCC rides and ride leaders throughout the whole of the summer. Massive shout out to everyone who's volunteered to lead one. We really, really appreciate it. And in the absence of Garant and me, it's amazing to still see everyone meeting up each week. Yeah, fair play. Big shout out to Paul Felton who rocked the GTCC jersey in Mallorca and has been busy organising group rides in Worcestershire. Also a shout out to Fiona and Pierre Mundell who have organised multiple Herefordshire GTCC rides and to everyone who went along to enjoy and support. Midlands crew excelling here, Tom. They even did a very special and thoughtful ride on the Queen's funeral. Andrew Parks has been leading the charge in Nottinghamshire too, so cheers Andrew. I'm going to shout out uh, Richard Thorpe, who took his GTCC jersey right to the summit of Mont Ventoux. And also Wendy Thomas, who also made it right to the top. That's an amazing ride to do. Andy Pearson went up the Col de Solaire. Richard Thorpe was spotting repping in Gordes. And well done to Mike Hornby. So Mike got back on his bike last month. That was the first time he's been out on a bike since a nasty crash 14 months ago. And he chose to rep the GTCC while he did that. So, Mike, thank you. Congratulations. Great to hear you're back on the bike. And we hope the recovery continues. Luke Richards took a more casual approach and donned the GTCC T-shirts to wander around Lanzarote. Alfie Jones was spotted on the Thlethley cycle path. Paul Stobbs took his kit to tour Scotland. And if anyone is listening in the USA... And up for connecting, get in touch with Ben Bryant on the Facebook group. Gee, did you bump into a guy called Frank Beecher? Because he's the guy who wrote our alternative theme music. Did you bump into ah. him at the Montreal Grand Prix in Canada? I did. I did now you mention it. It was before the start and I was like signing some random autographs with people. And he said, oh, gee, I did the music for your podcast. I was kind of taken aback at first because, you know, you're just in that yeah. signing mood. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks. And then I was kind of a bit like... Can't chat, sorry. I need to go race. <laughs> go do so, my yeah. job. Sorry about that, mate. But uh, yeah, no, good job with that. Thanks. Well, we know there were so many of you out in force supporting G this summer. So thank you to every single one of you. Big things coming this season on the GTCC. So hopefully we'll get to meet some more of you in person. Bye for now. Cheers, Tom. That was the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Heads of Music Emma Hickman and Frank Beecher, Head of Social, Archie Biltcliffe, and our Honorary President, Mike Carr. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.